0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your
1: free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. My facial hair is horrible. I know that. You don't have to tell me. Steve Rosenblum, Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score.
2: And facial hair. There you go. That's another... Name to consider like for your fantasy football league team, Gabe. Facial hair. It's a good name for a band, right? Lollapalooza opening, one of the opening acts. Facial hair. You Her. know what? I always want to do in an interview. You did this B ninety six, the Jingle bat, all those things, right? Sure. There's always the last name on the lineup, okay? Which is usually the smallest band, right? Headliners down to so yeah. your 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 hall of famers. Right down to your men- opening act, the Mendoza line of whatever it is. Right. <laughs> right. Interview them. What's it like? What
3: is I they? It's always tough because you're trying to figure out what the hell, who the hell they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know you're plucking. And here's the worst part about those facial hair. Wh- those would kinds be of the people. opening act. The you opening. just know they're they're one hit wonders and they're not going to be around for the next bash. So you try to, you know, be as nice as possible because, you know, they're not going to be around. Which would be nice. Give them, give them
2: their moment. He got you got to. All right, we're going to give a moment to Shane Reardon and, and his facial here. He is the executive producer of Parkins Spiegel, and he has the Bourbon and a Buddy podcast recently featuring Rick Hahn. He is uh, a he is one half, and we have the other half in studio. One half of the Timers podcast is that what it's been renamed, Shane? The Sometimers <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: What the hell, Steve? <laughs> I, like I haven't talked to you in like a year and a half. Dude. Did we wake you? Or are you <laughs> no. You're no, solving you, a
2: plumbing issue now.
1: No, you didn't wake me up, but I feel like that's an unnecessary shot at the frequency in which our podcast records. Your guy
2: brought that name to me.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm Gabe sorry, I haven't, I haven't been able to listen to the whole show today. It's my yeah. choice.
2: Your guy, Gabe Ramirez,
3: co-host of the Southsiders podcast... Steve Shane has Shane has two episodes on Bourbon and a Buddy, and that made his Twitter profile uh, bio. It's it, two episodes on that one. Two episodes. <laughs> yeah, and that's on his friggin' <laughs> profile. Southsiders yeah, I mean, nowhere to be found on there. How many episodes?
2: How many episodes does he have of the Southsiders podcast with Gabe Ramirez? Probably seven or eight, I'd say.
1: Okay, <laughs> but Gabe, is it is it in your bio? Of that one. So
2: Shane, I'm going to ask you a question we started the show with as the uh, as the White Sox come home to face the AL Central gauntlet 15 games in 14 days against all the evil division teams. They sweep the Giants. Are you believing or are you refusing to get suckered like you have so many times when they pants you before?
1: No, I'm, I'm believing because there's no sense in not. Um, there's no sense in just having a miserable summer, so I need to have something to hold on to. And if that's the White Sox, like it is every single summer, I'll wait till get let down in September. But for July and August, I'll choose to try to feel good. But this is this is it. Like, if they don't go 11-4 and 4 before the All-Star break, then I'm probably out.
3: This is why our podcast is amazing, because him and I both have the same level of positivity, but we also... Won't shy away from crapping on them if they don't end up reaching this level. That's that's the beauty of our podcast. Because I too, like I was mentioning to you earlier, feel like the Sox should be in that sort of eleven and four range prior yeah. to the All Star break. But let them not do that. We are must listen to podcast at that point <laughs> because it is going to be phenomenal uh, podcasting at that point. Shane, let me. I, I think the part that I really want to know, and I think most people that that follow you want to know, is why wasn't the brisket ready if you p- pickled it for a month, bro?
1: Well, it, I didn't pickle it for a month. It, it it cured for five or six days, and then I froze it because I didn't want to do it in March. Um, but I had a very strict window yesterday from when I could smoke something and when something had to be available and how long I, I could let something sit on the smoker. And, and I it, it didn't come up to room temperature to, to be ready to put on that smoker in enough time, so I had to put it back in the fridge. So maybe I'll do it today. I don't know. I don't know, but people seem to be very turned off by a pickled piece of beef. Do they not understand that that's literally just corned beef? Right, but... Is it, it just the words I chose to use?
2: It, it is, I, <laughs> and that's and you're correct in that, but I think that most people have greater respect for pastrami, which is corned beef that knows somebody.
1: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, but it, it literally is, <clears throat> excuse me, it literally is a pickle. It's the same... Brian, it's a, it's water, it's pickling spikes, it's cardamom, it's curing salt. It's all that. It's the same thing. Shane, your interview with,
2: with Rick Hahn was, was wonderful. It was, it, Thank you. It, it was a, a delightful bit of fraternity and some honesty and the Chris sale stuff about cutting where, where he was. And yeah. you, you get the phone call. You never would have believed and the way he presented it. With with Robin Robin Ventura, I almost said Robin Williams. Boy, that would be a change. And Robin Ventura is like, no, you don't understand. He cut up everyone's <laughs> uniform. Rick Honda is, is a obviously we know a smart man. What did you come out of that believing, disbelieving, not knowing? What did you come away with? Confirming what your what you had believed.
1: Yeah, Rick is. Very careful with his words. I took away from that interview that Rick made sure to put all of the onus on Tony. When I asked him, Hey, are you still comfortable with the way that your input is taken or not taken when it comes to constructing a roster, to building the lineup each day? He made sure to reiterate four or five times that, Hey, we give input, we tell Tony things, but at the end of the day, he's the one looking in the player's eyes and he's the one that's making that lineup. I think that was very pointed. Very pointed. He could have easily just said, yeah, it's a, co- it's a collaborative effort word that we love here. Collaborative effort and, and, and <laughs> everyone gets their, their say, but he made sure to point out and to really hammer home, everything you see on the field is Tony. That being said, the argument that we've made for the last two years is that Rick hasn't done a good enough job giving Tony players to put in those positions. But that's why I asked him, have you ever felt handcuffed at the deadline or or in free agency? And the first thing he said, he paused. "Mm, Never at the deadline. That was even more telling to me. (laughs) Of course he's been handcuffed in free agency. Of Of course that Jerry hasn't given the necessary resources. So I think those two things were the most telling aspects of that conversation what do
3: you feel like I mean obviously you get an opportunity to talk to the GM you know get a get a one-on-one with him do you feel like he's a guy that's going to make some moves as the trade deadline approaches or do you feel like he's confident in the team he's given to Tony La Russa for the Chicago White Sox
1: I think this stretch is is going to determine that it all depends on what they do against the AL Central here if they go 11 and 4 if they go 12 and Three, if they go even ten and five, I, I I think that I mean you're coming home today one game under as opposed to coming home today like three or four if you if you didn't show up against the, the 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 Giants. But I think this stretch will absolutely determine it. And I think I think if they find themselves within a game or two of first place by the deadline, I think he's going to go balls to the wall.
2: Our guest is Shane Reardon, executive producer of Parkins and Spiegel. He, we were talking about bourbon and a buddy, his podcast. We recently had Rick Hahn. He's a part of the Southsiders podcast with my co-host, Gabe Ramirez, here. And Shane's joining us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I think that we've seen you caught Rick Hahn after the current Hall of Failure baseball person (laughs) managing the team weaponized... Metrics, yep, and most notably the sh- the Trey Turner at bat, he weaponized metrics while he exposed himself to previously to his gut was that LeUri Garcia was going to get a hit in the one two or three spot, and also, in the same weaponizing of the metrics, like I confess they did it. Look, these guys gave me this number, and I had to walk in one and two. Souza. Sucks against left-handers. He's worse against left-handed hitters. And Max Muncy made him pay. It's as if La Russa didn't know his own players, not only not knowing the situation, but didn't know his own players seems like a greater offense for somebody in the dugout who was supposed to protect against all of that ignorance. Did you? Do you feel that way? Do you think this is going to continue? Did you get that feeling from Rick Hahn that it's just he's going to he has to wipe his hands of anything that involve putting all of the metrics together not just cherry picking
1: yeah so here's the thing what we know about tony is that he does enjoy numbers he does enjoy metrics but i don't know how necessarily tapped in he is against peripheral or not against but with an on peripheral so he sees batting average against he sees stuff like that but you got a guy in the dugout in Shelley Duncan son of his best friend in the entire world, Dave Duncan, who is supposed to be the one combating against that. That's the guy that's supposed to be saying, yeah, Tony, you see this, but also maybe this is a number you're not seeing. Tony will always, and he said it, he likes to to tell us with all of his arrogance that you know he makes his decisions by gut. He's a Hall of Famer baseball person. He's always going to go with what his gut in 125 years in baseball has, has done for him. So I, I don't think that there's any... I mean, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? You, you can't teach a 77-year-old manager how to manage modern-day baseball. He's not going to change. So the, the number one thing is hoping that you have a roster that's good enough to out-Tony-Tony, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You need a roster who's not susceptible to the, the little mistakes that he makes. You heard Han in that podcast talk about punching a file cabinet, after a decision was made in the game that he didn't like very much. Oh. I thought that was just as telling that Tony is making in-game decisions. And yes, I'm assuming that he was talking about a Tony decision. I didn't follow up there. I didn't want to, you know, poke the bear too much, but it's more fun of a conversation to assume that Han was just talking about an in-game decision made by Tony that caused him to punch a file cabinet. That's what so happens. I think-
3: That's what so happens, I- Shane, when you, when you are, are, you have a manager that you didn't hire yourself. Exactly, and he's making those decisions.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I think they just have to out baseball Tony and
3: yeah.
1: don't let him put put you in positions like that.
2: Well, sorry, if you already you've already screwed up, you gave him Lauri Garcia, and Laury Garcia <laughs> is suddenly Ryan Sandberg. So,
3: hey man, if you're hitting if you're hitting game winning singles, it's hard to it's hard to poo poo on you in the present. Um, somebody that should be taking a spot though in the outfield, Eloy Jimenez, looking like looking like he should be be back pretty soon. Steve feels as though Eloy might not make it through the rest of the season. The rest of the day. (laughs) Do you you feel the same way? Do you think he's going to be able to stay on the field? Or do you think he's just somebody that we should not depend on as we make our way to the dog days of summer?
1: Yeah, I mean, Eloy Jimenez has shown no ability to play a full 162-game season. So this team is just riddled with injuries. So I I don't think you can ever just assume that he's going to finish out an entire season. You can hope, of course, and I'm hoping. But they definitely have some roster decisions to make here. I, I think Vince Flask, guys, is going to get DFA'd. I think is going to be sent down. Um, and then you'll have Eloy back, and you'll have Liam Hendricks back. And then and then you're pretty close to being full. But it's just it's so disappointing. Like, I'm just so sad, you know? Like, this is the middle of your championship window, and we're having conversations about can the 77-year-old manager last for a West Coast <laughs> night game? Like... <laughs> What's what's going on here? I I don't ever want to want to make it about age. But (laughs) at some point, like you're out of the day to day management of a baseball roster for 11 years. And you come back and expect the game to be the same way that it was when you left it when you left the Cardinals dugout and went up into the suite in Arizona. I mean, it's just it's not it's not realistic.
2: Well, it is in one regard, and we saw it this weekend. If you get starting pitching, you've Tony-proofed the team. Yeah. And the Sox got it, and that would be – if there's any reason for hope, it's that. I mean, eventually the bats came around, but, but they got starting pitching a one nothing game. They got starting pitching and, and won a 13-4 game. That, that Tony-proofs the team as far as I'm concerned. That's the greatest reason for hope
1: yep they have to continue doing that there can't be any situation where you're relying on the manager to make a decision to help you win a game because right. he's shown that he can't do that
2: alright before we let you go Shane appreciate your time I, I want to play name that tune with you and Gabe okay so uh, Caesar Perez our producer is going to play this and then I want you to name that tune okay <laughs>
3: Anybody? what in the bar mitzvah? Loving? <laughs> was fun I don't know is that Dominic the donkey like the Christmas song I don't you got it
1: got a thought Shane <laughs> no, I have no idea what that is
2: that is the theme song from Spongebob Squarepants
1: oh Jesus Christ damn am thirty we should have known that
2: <laughs> i I bring that up because this is a wonderful thing for 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 baseball it is the walk up music for guardians right fielder oscar gonzalez okay right huh. and he chose that quote because kids love that song and this is a kids game after all i've had it since triple a
1: yeah i love that i guess i love that <laughs> idea. and you guys
2: got it wrong so yeah. that's it thanks for playing our yeah. game get off the air
1: thanks for
3: having me bye-bye <laughs> oh man i feel Shane bad we should have
2: known that <laughs> Shane Reardon. no you shouldn't is that is spongebob a a a thing you should have known did you watch it
3: uh i'm telling my age by saying that that was a little bit after my youth so okay you know I, that's all right i didn't you're, watch SpongeBob. you're allowed to age yeah stuff happens
2: all right i just thought i love the idea that he's using spongebob square pants as his walk-up music. It's a kid's game. He's having fun. I do it's like kid. that. kid. Guardian music. He's the guard, one of the Guardians. He's on the injured list. But when they go to, when they go, when the White Sox go to Guardian land. Yes. Then, and Oscar's back. Listen for it. I love the idea that that's his walk-up music. SpongeBob SquarePants. Classic. It's a kid's game. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, the Cubs renew their rivalry with the evil, dreaded Brewers, the big market Brewers that happen to have a championship team, the Cubs would aspire to, or championship-looking roster, the competitive team. Maybe the Cubs can aspire to that. And they've got a – their MVP candidate is now batting leadoff?
3: Is that the way things are going up Hey, there? Wilson Contreras is batting leadoff at some at one That's point. That's
2: what I'm saying, right? So <clears throat> maybe the Brewers will trade Yellich, right? Isn't that how it goes with <laughs> – Oh no, we're just become Chicagoed here. Steve Rosenblum, Gabe Ramirez, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the Score. Steve Rosenblum, Gabe
3: Ramirez on 670 the Score. Welcome
2: in, welcome back. A happy, pleasant 4th of July to you. Hope it's safe. Hope you enjoy the holiday. Take time off. Do something, do something for yourself. All right? I like that. Do something for yourself. Self-medicating, whatever it takes, but do something for yourself. Emotionally, mentally, physically, gastrically. That's probably the wrong word. <laughs> I don't know. Make steak. That's all I could say. We are gonna go back to the score hotline presented by a circuit resort and casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Welcome back to the show. Bart Winkler of 1250 the AM 1250 AM The Fan. The Cubs play the big market brewers in a series. <laughs> Cub fans can only look at how the first place brewers have done it and hope that someday they'll have the money to put together a roster like that as well and, and act like the big money, big market team that they are. Bart, thanks for joining us
4: today. Yeah, thanks for having me guys. It's uh you know, the money's just, pouring in here in the <laughs> yeah. Milwaukee market state of Wisconsin, but it's all from everybody from Illinois coming up this weekend. So thank you.
2: Yeah. Is it crowded up there? Is it, is that they expecting a whole bunch of us up there?
4: I don't know. Um, it seems like, <clears throat> it seems like Cubs fans only really make the drive when they're good.
3: Do you guys have a, a term for Chicagoans that come up to the Milwaukee area? I know that, you know, obviously there's like a mass holes, Name is there one that exists for Chicagoans, or
4: are you not familiar with fibs? Uh, I'm not. You're a fib. Okay, it's uh, Flatlanders. It's, uh, effing <laughs> Illinois. B is. What I think that's what I, I. Illinois is the only word I think I can. Sounds
3: say. like sounds like something Milwaukeeans would say, putting two curse words together to form a, a right. inaudible to sentence. Make a beer out of it, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, right. a, hey, fibs, fibs, yeah, fibs. Wow,
3: nicely done. So the. I wish I didn't ask that question. <laughs> no, I'm glad. He,
2: I'm glad you did. I was yeah. interested if there oh, was God. that kind of, and and w- we kind of got a version of that. So the Brewers in first place. What do you call, do you call us anything, or do you not care? Losers.
3: Losers, <laughs> it's just, okay. It's just, no,
2: I, it's, I don't think there's, I don't have that. We, we would. We'd have to care. Have to, yeah, we'd have, we'd to, have care to care enough to have disdain for you.
4: You know, it was, there was, uh, cheeseheads was one. The whole story about how Cheesehead started was, there were, I think, either Cubs, it might have been White Sox fans at the time, when the Brewers were in the American League, and they would come up here and call all these fans cheese heads and so the guy that invented the cheese head turned the insult into a marketable product and so that insult turned into something we it became endearing so it might be cheese heads but then we kind of co-opted it i love that
2: i if that's a true story i love the idea that someone's making a profit off a chicago insult
4: yeah yeah that that is how it started that's how the cheese head started
2: excellent excellent so the brewers are in first place trailing the, again, big money, big market Cardinals that the Cubs can only dream of being the as big a market as <laughs> St. Louis and Milwaukee and having that kind of money to spend. So I guess we ask the question regularly. It may be the same answer, but we're still going to ask it. How are the Brewers doing this?
4: Uh, I, a lot of it's their pitching. A lot of it is their pitching. Uh, like the game yesterday, So if the Brewers get a good start from somebody and they got a good start from Brandon Woodruff, they only beat the Pirates two nothing. The offense is not going to outscore you consistently, but Brandon Woodruff went um, six innings and then they went to their bullpen with Brad Boxberger and Devin Williams and Josh Hader. And those guys have become almost unhittable together. And so that's their main recipe. Anything other than that, they are, they've been able to like scratch and claw some victories. They don't have a lot of games. They had a 19 run outburst the other day. But other than that, if you're watching a Brewers game, you're probably going to settle in and watch a run or one or two run game, you know, win or loss. They play a lot of close games like that. They just happen to be on the winning side more than they are on the losing side. So far for a while, it was, they weren't playing anybody. You know, there's a lot of pirates, a lot of reds on the schedule. This last couple of weeks, they played the Blue Jays, uh, did well against them. They went down to Tampa Bay and won a couple. So they've been playing. They split with the Cardinals. So they've been playing better teams and getting good results. But still, for the most part, I mean, when you look at this team and this lineup, it doesn't intimidate you the way that some of these other teams in their lineups would, Phillies, Dodgers, Mets, whatever. And when they're slumping, they're slumping. They went through an eight-game losing streak a couple of weeks ago and it just seemed like it was, you know, the, the runs just do not come in bunches. So, we'll see what they do today. We'll see what they do in the series. But a lot of Brewer games are going to be 2-1 or 5-4 or, you know, 3-2. It's just the way that it goes. The pitching is keeping them in it. And the hitting, if they can get timely hits, they'll win a game. And if they don't, they won't.
3: Bart, I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought up the A game losing streak. That's what, exactly where I was going because – I mean, in the midst of that, you're still sitting, you know, two games in front of the Cardinals in the NL Central. What, what's the confidence like in Milwaukee surrounding this team?
4: I think with the Brewers, I think the confidence is this is a pretty good baseball team that should win the NL Central. And then I think with that eight-game losing streak, the Cardinals overtook Milwaukee, and you know, fans started to get a little nervous. But the Cardinals had a couple of – Uh, weeks there where they could have really put some space between the two teams, they've kind of been, you know, doing the same thing that the brewers have the confidence is that they can win the NL central after that, the confidence wanes Uh, because when you look at the playoffs, you know, you look at these teams that I mentioned, Mets, Dodgers and stuff. And the pit, like if they're going to win a series, you're going to throw Brandon Woodruff, you're going to throw Corbin Burns. You hope to have Freddie Peralta back and you can win a series. Are you going to be able to do that three, four different series? You're going to need some offense. And the offense has been a problem for this team. Now there's been a lot of injuries. You know, Colton Wong's hurt. He comes back. Then Hunter Renfro's hurt. Then he comes back. Then somebody else gets hurt. So there's always a couple of guys that are hurt. They haven't had their best lineup on paper altogether, but for maybe four games so far this season. But still, is that going to be enough? You know, they, they do probably need to acquire a bat. They had Lorenzo Kane who they had to get rid of earlier in the year. That was kind of a mutual thing. Christian Yelich, he's been hitting better in the leadoff spot. They moved to the leadoff spot about a month ago, which has helped, but he's still not anywhere near the MVP form that he was a couple of years ago or even, even close to that. So the, the offense still, again, that's where the confidence falters is what can you acquire at the deadline How much of that are you going to acquire? When we talk to a lot of people, is this team one bat away from winning a championship? Probably not. So then how do you acquire a couple of other bats? What you're going to need is for these guys to all step up at the same time and get hot. And, you know, that's kind of how teams win in the playoffs. You look at how the Braves knocked out the Brewers last year. They got hot at the right time, had a great October, won the World Series. Can the Brewers do that with the pieces that they have and maybe one more bat? I don't know. So the confidence in the NL Central is high. It's basically between them and the Cardinals. And then once you get into the playoffs, yes, anything can happen, especially in baseball. But unless they make a couple of moves, I don't think that confidence level is going to change anytime soon.
2: Our guest is Bart Winkler, 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee. We're talking Brewers and Cubs here on the score. So if, if they're... Whatever the what's the biggest trade chip or chips that the Brewers have and is there any sense cup fans always expect their teams to go for it. Sox fans make that move I don't care what you got to give up make that move do it is there a trade chip is there is, have the Brewers shown that willingness to do it like seizing carpe diem carpe year that kind of thing
4: I don't think they have too many guys in the minors that would be untouchable there's an 18 year old prospect that's maybe in uh, a ball right now that's really hitting well and there's a lot of uh, encouragement about him but but that might be it there's a lot of guys in double a or even triple a that the brewers have drafted and and they like a lot of outfield prospects they have also some depth from catching in the minors but i don't know that any of these guys are going to be somebody that you know, you build a package around that's going to be a can't miss guy. It might be the Brewers have to go get an Andrew attendee for you know three or four prospects. You know, and it might be they go and get you know whoever's available. These kind of guys, I don't think that they have like that can't miss guy. Like I said, that's gonna that's gonna really bring back a haul. They'll, they'll they'll almost have to convince other teams, hey, these guys are going to be good, or another team's going to have to say, yeah, we like these guys, we'll take a couple of them and. And hope hope that one pans out. There could you could look at some of the major league pitching because early in the season, the the pitching, like I said, is a position of strength. But they have had some guys struggle. So Brandon Woodruff's great, not going anywhere. Corbin Burns great, never going anywhere. Freddie Peralta injured, so not going anywhere. But they went anyway. But then you had a lot of other guys, uh, Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser to name two that were at the big league level, although both have struggled mightily this last month. Aaron Ashby is the guy that they like coming up. They, they, they won't trade him. Ethan small, another good pitching prospect. They won't trade him. I think maybe what the brewers were hoping for was some of those younger guys, Ashby and Lauer become guys or Ashby and small become guys that, you know, can fit into the rotation. And then maybe an Eric Lauer could you, so you could trade a, major league pitching for a major league bat. You could do something like that. But anybody that would be in that sort of, uh, you know, that sort of part of the roster hasn't really been producing this last month. So if you're going to trade, it's going to be prospects, likely outfielders. And, again, I, I don't know that they have anyone that pops off the page for one of these other teams.
3: Are right, you mentioned Eric Lauer. He's on the bump today against the Chicago Cubs' first pitch at 310 right here on 670, the score. What is – what is your take on the Cubs? We were we were talking about it earlier when that window could be opened back up again. I said could be three years. Steve said five years. Uh, what 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 are you guys thinking up there in Milwaukee in regards to this Cubs team and how far away they are from actually competing?
4: You know, the thing with the Cubs from our perspective is that when they won when they won a World Series, and you know I think a lot of people think this way when your team wins a championship. Like, I'll go back to the 2010 Packers. When they were in that, on that podium, Rogers and Clay Matthews are up there. I, as a fan, celebrated for about 15 seconds before I thought, we're going to be doing this so many times. Like, this is one <laughs> of many. And the Packers haven't been back to the Super Bowl since. And I think with the Cubs, I think, you know, a lot of people probably thought the same thing. I thought we certainly did. I mean, that team looked like it was going to be very good for a very long time and then they sell everybody at the same time. And it doesn't seem, from my perspective, from our perspective, it doesn't seem like the Cubs, like, went into a rebuild. It just seems like they, like, completely started from scratch. <laughs> so I, I never really understood that. You know, you look at the Cubs and what Wrigleyville's become and all this money that's co- coming in there, and obviously the, the jokes you're making about a uh, small market. I don't know why it has to take the Cubs so long to get good again, unless they want it to be hard. I don't understand. So that's what we're thinking. We're thinking the Cubs, one of these big market teams, they've done it before. They, they have money. Why are they, why are they trying to make it as slow as possible? That's what I, see. I, I look at these Cubs lineups. I don't even bother to like, I don't, I don't, I don't bother to know these guys. And I, <laughs> I think a lot of Cubs fans are the same way. I don't know who's coming up for them. I don't know like who's even going to be around that's, that's there right now. So you know, the Cubs, it, it just seems like they were really good, and then they decided, yeah, let's just start from scratch. And I don't, that was I fun. don't quite
3: get it. <laughs> that was fun. 2016 was fun.
2: Well, hopefully they'll take some of that Chelsea money and they'll put it into the baseball team, and then maybe they'll, they'll do it this winter. And they'll certainly have the money this winter in free agency. I don't know if they'll go that way or but not. But I
4: do want to say the Cubs, ha- the Cubs, like 2016. They have 2016. So even though you know, fans are upset now, they have 2016. The Brewers, we don't got any World Series here. We haven't been around as long, but still, uh, we, we don't have any World Series championships here. We've been to one, and that was in 1982. And they are, again, celebrating this team again. It's the 40th anniversary of the team that lost the World Series.
2: Wall Wallbangers.
4: There's going to be a whole weekend devoted to it. There's, there was a whole weekend devoted to it five years ago, five years before that. They'll be at five years again. Like, it was a good team and a fun team, but you, at some point, at some point, isn't it, they're celebrating a team that lost the World Series. So at least the Cubs, they got the World Series, you know. So at, at least you got it.
2: Wait a minute. This is a city that still celebrates the 69 Cubs team that didn't even get to the World Series and, in fact, blew eight-and-a-half game lead and still trilled (laughs) and and finished second in third, actually. They finished third in that division that year. So we'll always have Paris. I remember every detail. You wore blue. The Germans wore gray. That's it. Thanks, Bart. Sure. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Bart Winkler. 12.50 1250 AM, the fan of Milwaukee. There you go. They're celebrating forty years of
3: losing a World Series. I mean, they gotta celebrate something.
2: Well, right. And we celebrated the 69 Cubs. One of the greatest collapses ever.
3: I, I celebrate the White Sox team that that uh, didn't make it during the strike year.
2: You know. That's ninety four? Yeah. Yeah. I sure. celebrate them. That was it. And the Astros. That was, yeah. The Sox not Astros, Expos. Sox, expos, Expos, World Series. Should have been. Yeah, play that on a video game. Or it's Stratomatic Baseball. Google that, kids. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Mark Grody, my former erstwhile radio partner and Trash Panda, erstwhile producer, are here. They're doing the show. They're doing radio. We're gonna have, we will have talks with them. We will have talks with them. As they come back and they do the show, and they'll take you up to Cubs baseball, Cubs Brewers baseball. See if the Cubs can knock off the big market Brewers in first place <laughs> in the NL Central. Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score.
5: Steve Rosenblum, Gabe Ramirez on six seventy The Score.
2: Hey, I know those guys. Welcome in, welcome back, Steve Rosenblum, Gabe Ramirez. We're live and local, and we will stay liver and localer. Welcoming in to Transition with Mark Rohde. I used to do radio shows with him and Trash Panda. He used hey, to, hi. Do, he used to do, <laughs> produce shows, and we had to explain the whole Trash
5: Panda thing to Gabe. Yeah,
2: well, I, you didn't know?
3: I hadn't I had no idea what a oh, trash man. panda was. I heard about Alice and I heard about oh, Sweet, uh, yeah. Alice. Sweet, Sweet Alice. Sweet Alice. Sorry about that. Yeah, my dad's
5: taking shots at Coons outside my my childhood
3: bedroom. Yeah, yeah. 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 He still does. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And she updates us. Yeah, Alice, sweet Alice, sends emails to Trash Panda about what Shooter's doing, and then it gets brought to the
3: air. Well, now we're calling him um, the Trash Pineapple. Yeah, mm. a lot of pineapple on today because of his shirt.
6: Yeah, so I I walk into the studio today or to the office as we. Have a little, we meeting. commandeered Shane's office, yeah, to yeah. talk about the show. And the first thing I notice about Adam Stadzinski Trash Panda is that he is wearing it not only is it a pineapple ridden shirt, oh, yeah, it's also unbuttoned, oh, yeah, 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 and like hanging loose. And he's got the t shirt on underneath, his tattoos are showing, he's got his, his hat on, and right now he's wearing shades for some Four reason. Same. Because so, he's indoors. It's
5: bright in here. This is like a TV studio. It's Pineapple Express. Well, it's not that. It's not I'm Pineapple I'm used to be on Express. in the middle of the night, too. This is different. This is different. <laughs> so I, I recently
6: learned what when one wears a shirt with pineapples on, it has a true meaning to a certain section of people in, in, in the world, really. And I, we walk into the real studio here,
3: and this is where Gabe Ramirez comes in. <laughs> First thing I say to... Trash bucket is. <laughs> I say, Trash bucket. I said, Dude, what's up with the pineapple stuff? Yeah. And he has no idea. No, I have
5: no idea what you're talking
6: about. What he's
3: promoting right now. Oh, am, Sun- I, am I promoting something? Oh yeah. I'm
6: shocked that Stevie Sunshine didn't know. I would think that he he was he, a, would, he would partake quite
5: a, frankly. A
3: part of it. He yeah. Did the, the hip spots Jeez. that have. Upside down pineapple. It's part, part, you're part of the swinger community now, bro. Oh, is that what it means? It is yeah. symbolic. Oh. It's for real, real. You're a sugar baby right now. And, you, <laughs> and, and you've got the look too, like I yeah. said. Oh, you
6: got yeah, yeah. the the ill matching shorts and you, oh, you yeah. wait a minute, are those pineapple Oh yeah, they
4: through? are.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> he wow. He does yeah. looks like he doesn't mind, you know, which way he's going. <laughs> you,
5: <laughs> That's <laughs> not what I was trying to do. <laughs> we're we're
3: people. Batting making from
6: both sides of the plate? Oh, uh, okay. Swinging, whatever that means. Switch. Well, partners. that's not, I know that's it's not what I was
5: trying to do.
6: It's a dozy doe. Swing well, your
3: partner round and round. You're you're broadcasting it loud and proud, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you get. Well,
5: there's, there's a lot of people getting the wrong impression out there today. Well, no, there's. Because I did take CTA today. Uh, you I was the only it, one on uh, the train, though.
2: I don't think they're getting the wrong impression at all. You're creating the impression you want to. You're dressing for the job you want.
5: It's not
6: that. Not what I'm trying to give off. <laughs> you're hey, going to get some like weird eye contact from people. Yeah? That's yeah. fine. I got sunglasses on. There's yeah. some wealthy couples uh-huh.
3: out there that'll pay for that singing experience. <laughs> oh. You know what I mean? Like I said, Sugar Baby. That's what so you funny. Be. He's got the socks. Well, the only other it's shirt like I have with mushrooms.
5: me. It's like a uh,
2: boomerang. Oh, you got
5: that, you got that mushroom what's the shirt. Age,
2: what's the age limit on Boy Toy?
3: I I don't I'm, as long as you're younger than their baby
2: boy toy are the same. Yeah,
3: right. They're yeah. cousins. Yeah. I think you're there, hmm. studs. Well, there we go studs. now <laughs> from here? <laughs>
6: <laughs> we're all lost. So what's hot, boys, yeah, other than get, swinging? What's yeah. been hot on the morning <laughs> okay, show today show. here on the score? Yeah. yeah.
2: So we were asking. We started the show and then we asked in the middle, and I'll ask old Sox boy over there and <laughs> you. Sick. Are you believing in the White Sox or are you refusing to get suckered like you have so many times
5: before when they just pantsed you when you wanted to believe in them? I'm glad you asked that Steve Rosenblum, and I am not bought in again yet. So. I refuse. I refuse to buy in until they give me a real reason to do it. I mean, what what sweet, do you want? Oh, if they swept
3: the Giants. That wasn't good enough for you. What do you want them to go? On? How many a moments have we had like that
5: this year? Oh uh, yeah, the New York. This the, is what yeah, the fourth. The moments. fourth. Yeah, the New York moment we had when they scored all those runs against the Angels was it? Mm. And then they then they won some games against weak teams. Then they fall apart again. So yeah. this is the third different buy-in moment. No. When did pitching look this good?
3: I think that's the point right there. It's three in going. a row. Well, you also have to,
5: like let's not also discount how poorly the, the Giants played this weekend.
2: Yeah, Especially they played like the White Sox. Yesterday Defensive. they were yeah,
5: who was, I think Lawrence tweeted yesterday something like the White Sox got a good look at themselves. Oh, a mirror. And, yeah, yeah, good oh look God. in the mirror. I, I look at it
6: differently. I look at it as the White Sox actually took advantage of a team that was fumbling the baseball all the way. That's what you're that's, supposed to that's, do. That's what good teams do. And the White Sox have not done anything that resembles a good team in a long time. So I don't care. And San Francisco sucked. They were. Yeah. Bad. They seem disinterested. We always talk about the White Sox looking like a dead team. The Giants look like a dead ass team, Bob Brenly. For sure. <laughs> for sure. And, 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 and the Sox took full advantage of that the the my favorite error of the weekend by the way if we're going to do favorite errors if favorite we might, error my error favorite, <laughs> Your favorite error absolutely favorite my favorite error I think it was the it was the Saturday game Gavin Sheets hits a liner into left it go it misjudged <laughs> yeah. by old Jock Blondie Peterson and and he's and, and my favorite part of when that happens to a baseball player ball goes all over the wall I think three runs score on that and the, the 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 run of shame to yeah. the baseball, <laughs> head down, head down. You're not really running. You're kind of shaking your head while you're running. It was the Jock Peterson run of shame. That was my favorite. But but that's what you're supposed to do. Take advantage of bad team. Even if San, San Francisco probably will be a good team by when it's all said and done. They because normally they are. usually yeah. are exactly. But the White Sox. Took them down. They were weak. They were a wounded
3: animal, and the Sox smothered them this week. And then now we get an opportunity to go up against a mediocre pitcher for the Twins, Dylan Bundy, when uh, with our ace Johnny Cueto on the. Oh, Johnny Cueto's the ace now.
2: <laughs> Do you realize? That, until, are we making that declaration? Him, until him, until, him, until him, this is this is a Jay Cuda special. We love Jay Cuda on the show. He came up with this that until Lucas Giolito. Pitched six innings, three runs or fewer, a quality start for his sixth of the year. Johnny Cueto led the fr- led the team in quality starts alone until yesterday. He's been here twenty minutes <laughs> and he had six quality starts, and he goes tonight.
5: The Johnny Johnny Cueto thing is is outstanding. I don't understand how they've how that's a thing. You know, honestly,
2: we, you know who he is. He is this version of El Duque. Ooh, he is I like that. Orlando Hernandez, who had the inning for the miracle inning of the, the most important inning in White Sox baseball history. He is El Duque. Cause he was, he was, Gabe was mentioning earlier, he goes, you know, yo, you need that 53-year-old guy playing at Humboldt Park, <laughs> right? The guy's <laughs> coming out and still throwing bullets, and, and he's got the curveball. And, and Johnny Cueto's twerking out there. And when you think about it, with El Duque's body movements, and you never really know how old either of them are. Eh. Right? You can't tell.
6: So, I'm okay. If Johnny is going to be El Duque this year, it's going to be a good year. I would say that if all goes right for the White Sox this year, that would mean getting into the playoffs. That would also mean that Johnny Cueto is no longer a factor by the end of the season. Oh, no. He will be. No, he will be. Well, I I would say that if, if you're still depending on Johnny Cueto, as much as they have, the White Sox are going to remain a game under five hundred because that's where they are. I mean, Johnny Cueto has been really good for the White Sox, but it's not like he's been an ace. He's not blowing guys away. Is he a guy that you would even give the baseball to in a he's playoff done, game? If I the think Sox he's done better at
2: saving the bullpen than any other Sox uh, pitcher. A hundred,
6: and, hey. and that's what guys do during, like, Billy Hamilton last year for the who White, on Sox, this White Sox. Who in this White
2: Sox rotation has better cred in September than Johnny Cueto?
6: In general? Who's got
5: more mm. experience? What about uh, Lance Lynn? He's been no. there.
3: I think Cueto is the Didn't Lance Lynn win a World Series Lin.
5: with the Cardinals? Am I not mistaken about that? Yeah. 20
3: years In the ago. bullpen?
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the bullpen.
2: In yeah. the
3: bullpen. Yeah. yeah. Which
2: starting pin? I said rotation. Okay, but you, you Who still... Who in the
6: starting rotation... Has had more credibility who's, than who's Johnny Cueto. But, but that's saying that Johnny Cueto is the Johnny Cueto of the past. I still don't think that, that. He's been terrific, but do I think Johnny Cueto is still going to be throwing like this in, in September? Not necessarily. I also wouldn't give him the baseball in a playoff game. Would you? We, uh, we, uh, so you, so you would give. I would want to see the Sox get there first. Well, that's what I mean. If the Sox were going to get me. there, to me, that would mean that Johnny Cueto was not a big part okay. of it. That right. that Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, Michael Colpeck, and Lucas Giolito were the biggest part of it, and they would dominate. That's the only way the Sox are going to overtake anybody in this division.
5: This yeah, point. I think. Yeah, if all goes to plan, he Johnny Cueto is either moved to the bullpen for the playoffs, or he's not on the playoff roster. Oh, man, it's harsh. That's harsh. It's true though. It is, but it's... but if you ha- if the four guys that Grody just mentioned are doing what we think they're capable of doing, then where is Johnny Cueto right. pitching? He's not p- pitching the playoff series that those other four guys are doing their thing.
3: I I look at Lance Lynn and I think about his playoffs last year, and you know he was at the top of your rotation, and he's not who I want at, in that space come playoff time, and I hope he's not. But Johnny Cueto, I mean, you just got to show him a little love, man keeping socks in games. It's
5: not that it's not that we don't appreciate certainly I don't appreciate what we what we're seeing Paris. with Johnny Queto. <laughs> <laughs> but Paris. like I just I think that the, I think that what Grody is saying is that we need to realize that that's not going to last yeah, probably. It, it, it would to me, again, it would mean that something has gone
6: wrong if Johnny or Cueto the actually Johnny made a great be, signing,
3: like, like, the Johnny signing right that they did. Hey, the Johnny uh, Cueto
5: signing is already a success. It even is. If he, falls apart. he will
6: always get credit for this season no matter what. I'm just saying he's not going to get the baseball in the postseason if there is one. All right, we're going to turn the ball over to you.
2: Oh, so, we're oh, going to hey. leave after six Fair. strong innings, Fair. one earned run, and a couple we do hits, all right? seven Ks, two walks. <laughs> little, little bumpy gonna, start with a pineapple, I thought. You guys are for a
0: good shot. I'll
2: tell you that that means he's as good against righties as lefties hey, 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 hey. <laughs> mark rody and trash panda are next i want to thank caesar perez for doing what he does gabe, gabe ramirez lovely working with you again as Have a always good safe holiday so we're leaving so we can make way for you know the
6: you could say our name steve the, the swingers mark yeah.
2: rody and trash
5: panda
6: <laughs> or whatever he's wearing the pineapple well we're oh, yeah. See how his walk home is. Today. I just like pineapples. I had no
5: idea this was something. I mean,
6: dude, I'm I'm not sure I believe you. I mean, you have the socks on too. I can so. only imagine what the undies look like. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, we're leaving. We're <laughs> yeah. out of here. Swing out, my friend. And that's it.
0: Oh. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.